Thank you. You guys okay? You all good? Guys, and give it up for pastor and worship and the Lord. Amen. Amen. I love traveling. And you know what I love the most, I will say, is I love speaking, but I love getting into the worship and hearing the different voices and seeing what the Lord has done. So let me pray for us. God, You are so good. You are so faithful. And I feel the urge to remind people that today. God, for my one sin, the one thing I did um, that was so devastating that it caused You to lovingly give Your best. That people in this room would realize no matter how far, how crazy, how out of it it may feel right now, that their one sin caused You in Your love to be willing to send Jesus to the cross. And Jesus, You went. For the joy set before Him, Jesus, You went. And I just pray that Your people would hear that, they would know that, that they are literally to die for. God, are we worthy? No. But yes, because of You, the Son of God. I pray Your anointing's here, Your presence is here. As we open up the Word, You speak and minister. And today, people lay aside the weight. They leave here feeling lifted up because of You, because of the Word You're doing, because of the worship, the Word, and of course, Your love, grace, and mercy. We praise Your name. In Jesus' name we say, Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, church. Thank you, Pastor and team and all of you for inviting me back and being here. And I just want to tag off of what Pastor Chris said. You know, this is my second time out here, and both times I've been They've invited me to come speak to you, but they've said if there's any local ministries that you want to connect with or that you want to reach out to and share. So last time I was here, I got to drive from here away to Bridgewater and preach at a friend's church. And as soon as I knew I was invited here, I told my friend who's really been planning a church for the past two years. So last night, I spent an hour preaching in a movie theater. And guess what I was preaching on? The supernatural demons and angels. How is that? You fly overnight, you land and you're preaching to what, 70, 80 people it was? And why I'm saying this is, think about what the Lord has done. Thousands of years ago when He began to speak, what is that? Supernatural. 2,000 years ago when our Lord and Savior, a Jewish carpenter, our Rabbi Jesus began to minister and speak, live, die, and resurrect for you and me, that is supernatural. Amen? Amen. The birth of the church is supernatural. COVID shows up. Life goes crazy. Pastor, team, worship, all of what's been going on, it is still to this day what? Supernatural. It's a work of God. God has been doing it. And I say that because the Bible says if God doesn't build the house... It will not stand. Is the house standing or not? Amen. The Lord is presence. The Bible says give honor where honor is due. So I say that to honor leadership, worship, all of you, but most importantly, who? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we were finishing last night, you know, I went really deep and spent a good two weeks prepping, and we're talking about all these angelic and such. But we finished with a thought on this verse that I just wanted to, I feel nudged to say this to you as we start today, but it's that simple verse that you hear out of Matthew 16, where Jesus is telling them the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. And there's a Hebrew scholar, Michael Heiser, and he wrote the Logo Software. 
And he said, you know, when you look at this verse in the original language, one of the ways, and I'm speaking to you, church, because I know pastor's been talking about persecution and suffering and our walking in faith. I mean, the name of the church is faith. Amen? One of the ways this gentleman said you could look at this verse is like this. He says, the gates of hell will not be able to stand the church as it moves forward. Meaning, we're not sitting back and fending off that Jesus even said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. So while we oppose the opposing kingdom, I said this to them last night, that this is about two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of this age and this world. That whether it's persecution, whether it's spiritual oppression, whatever it is, so long as we keep meeting and gathering and worshiping and praising what? He'll be lifted up and we'll be drawn all the more unto the Lord. Amen? I say this, and I haven't even gotten any of the message yet, because one of the things I've seen the past few years is diligent friends of mine who love the Lord, read their Bibles, know all the worship songs, who when things happen, like last year, when things happen in a marriage or in a job or the passing of a loved one, they get so shook, they get distant from the Lord. They end up like Adam in the bushes hiding naked, amen? No one wants to be in the bushes hiding naked, amen? Amen. They end up there, and why? And as I was in this season of praying, I remember for people back then, it was like the Lord laid these two thoughts on my heart. And you know this already, but the book of Romans, Romans 5, 1, I'm going to just hit a couple of verses before we get to the main topic, but I felt like the Lord was sharing this with me this past week as well before coming here. Is do you know that you can have peace with God, but not be walking in the peace of God? Do you know that if Pastor Chris and I, as we were joking in the car, laughing the day he picked me up from Bridgewater, if we'd have hit one of those deers or one of those roadkill and died, we have peace with God. Why? Because Christ died in our place. But we could have spent the whole time on that journey freaking out in fear because we're not walking in the peace of God. What I mean is, listen to these two verses. Romans 5.1 We have been justified through faith, and so we have peace with Christ with God through Jesus. But Philippians 4.7 says this, And the peace of God, which transcends all your understanding. You're trying to navigate politics and culture and life and COVID and all this stuff. This isn't that kind of peace. This kind of peace is just like, guys, the world is falling apart, but you know what? This is the kind of peace that transcends all understanding. Not some of it. And this peace, church, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. So I want peace with God, only through the Son, amen. Amen. But I want to walk, as the church is called, faith in the peace with God and of God. Why am I saying this? Because as I talked about my friends who struggled, as I talked about people wrestling, we can make every excuse why not to go to church, why not to get in the Word, why to be hiding in those bushes. As I was praying for my friends, Lord, what is it that's shaken them? The Lord began to put this verse on my heart. And it was a verse I really wasn't familiar with. This was years ago. And the verse, if you're familiar with it, we can turn there in our Bibles. We find it in Hebrews 12. And it's a simple verse. And I'll just say part of it to get your brain going. Let us lay aside the what? The wait. I'm praying for my friends. Well, this person's struggling. They're not picking up the phone. They're going through it. The boss was mean. Their dog died. They're just mad at God. Let us lay aside the weight. If we're honest, we all carry weight. Amen? We all came in here with something. Something happened to you this week. You got a text from someone. Someone showed up who really wasn't there. But what is this? Before Christ, I definitely carried a weight. 
You have my story. In the world did great in skateboarding made money. Married, divorced, suicidal, carrying away. Came to faith and the old passed away and all became new. Amen. God restored, put our marriage back together. My son's about to be married in about two weeks. Can you believe that? 20 years of age. Give it up for the Lord. Amen. He restored our marriage. My son's 20. He gave us a baby girl. She's 13. And a son who is 10. Thank you, Jesus. But we carried a weight before Christ. And so now that Brian, the preacher, whose funny looking photo, who's much younger, is out there on the door. Amen. Don't make fun of me, church. Yeah, yeah, I agree though. My friends are like, why did you give them this photo? I didn't. They found it on a website somewhere. I'm not out there modeling for all of you. But my point is now, preacher man Brian, should I be carrying the same kind of weight that I once did? Should I be carrying the same kind of weight I once carried in the world when the boss goes crazy? When the car flips over? When life is going insane? Why am I saying this? Because we need to hear this message today. If you lean in like blind Bartimaeus did, if you reach out with the woman touching who is reading with blood, if you press in today, the Lord will move and minister and release some stuff in your life. Can the church say amen? amen. Let us lay aside the weight. And what's everyone's favorite song in church? Jesus, take the what? Wheel. I'm kidding. Jesus, take the wheel. You remember that song? When you came to faith, Jesus didn't just take the wheel. He took the whole car. He showed up in your life. He put the key in. And He got in the car and He began to drive and He began to lead you. And in fact, church, you know what He did? He gave you the directions. It's called the Word of God. In fact, He gave you a navigation system, a GPS. What's His name? The Holy Spirit. And He even gave you the airbags, the hedge of protection. But what happens is Brian comes to faith. God restores my marriage. He begins to lead me. Just like Pastor Chris picked me up today, we get in the car from Bridgewater to go to Seekonk, and as he's driving fine, Jesus leading me, there I am with my bags all over the dashboard, or I'm grabbing the wheel, or I'm doing all kinds of things. Where's my car going? All over the road. I'm on this journey with the Lord, but I'm holding on to all this weight. That's the picture I want you to have. Who the sun sets free is what? Are you walking in that freedom? The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so you may have what? A life more... It isn't just material things. He can bless you. It's primarily the spiritual things. So as I came to faith, thank you, Jesus. But God, what does this mean? Lay aside the weight. Why were you laying this on my heart many times over the years? And what did you show me in this verse? Well, let's read it. Some of you said, finally. I wasn't a Christian for 24 years. I'm catching up with all of you. Amen? Here's the reality. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We don't know the author, but we know it's the Word of God. The author writes, Therefore, church, we also, because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us what? Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us as we look unto Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. The author begins by starting by saying, therefore, and he's pointing back to what chapter? Chapter 11. This famous hall of faith that I'm sure pastor has preached on or you've read about, he says, because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Is he saying they're in heaven looking down, possibly? Is he saying just because you know about their life because it's written in God's Word? Yes. But as we consider the Hebrews 11, what are we meant to know about them? You, church, are meant to hear things like this. That in Hebrews 11, it was by faith that Abel 
offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Amen? It was by faith that Enoch walked with the Lord and did not see death. The Bible says God just raptured him out of there right then. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. We see God moving in these lives and the lives of women. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Rahab. Even by faith, Moses trusted the Lord and passed over the Red Sea. Okay, God, we get it. By faith, these men and women, what am I meant to see? Brian, church. By faith, also just like them, these witnesses, you were meant to lay aside every weight. We look at these witnesses and if we're honest, right, we think they're spiritual giants. I mean, this is Abraham, this is Moses. If they came in here, you'd all have your phones out and be like, be quiet, Brian, look who it is. But these men and women went through puberty just like you and me. They rolled around in whatever kind of diapers they had back then, and their face went in the mud, and they got mad, and they stubbed their toe. They're no different. But what was different about them than us sometimes? By faith, the way they trusted in the Lord, there were certain things they did. What was the first thing He tells them to do? Because we're surrounded by them, lay aside every weight. And you know what I find interesting about this passage? He says, lay aside the weight. And the next verse says, and the what? We always look at the sin. If you're a Christian, you don't need to look at your sin anymore. Be accountable. I get it. Make sure you're getting conviction and God is leading you because the goodness of the Lord keeps leading you to repentance. Amen? But we understand what sin is, that filthy and wretched thing. If I still sin today, there's still going to be consequences. If I cheat, I may end up divorced. If I punch you in the face, you might punch me in the face. There's a response to sin. But God, why were you laying this weight on my heart? Because you're surrounded by them, church, and because the guy today is preaching all about them, let's finally unpack this. Let us lay aside the weight. This word weight is this Greek word, oggos. This is where it might apply to you. Let us lay aside whatever is prominent. Let us lay aside whatever bulk or mass or burden or weight we are carrying. What did you come in here with? What has been facing you your whole life? What has been spoken over you? What do you receive that is not of God? The power of life and death is in the what? Who's speaking that over you? Let us lay aside the weight. Because if we're called to run a race, one of the things you know is if I'm going to run a race, I don't want any weight. I don't want a backpack full of rocks when I go for a jog. I don't want to take this out when I'm swimming so I sink. And see, I know a thing or two about weight. Why? Because I traveled the world for many years as a skateboarder. And as a skateboarder, I don't like weight. In fact, I came out here on this trip for two days. I red-eyed overnight. I had a backpack. I had a Bible. A couple of things to preach. A passport. And that was about it. I don't want any weight. But as a skateboarder, we would travel the world. And I'd show up with a couple of skateboards and a backpack. I was good to go. But that guy or that girl would always show up with 15 skateboards and 15 trucks and all kinds of CDs and all the headphones and the kitchen sink and the cat and grandma. And there was always weight. Amen? Getting to the airport hindered them. Getting on the flight hindered them. Getting to the hotel. Your goal to go to Barcelona or Japan was to get something done, but the weight was getting in the way. I know I'm making a point here, but this is a spiritual principle. Amen? We don't want any kind of weight on our journey. We don't want anything that is hindering what we're doing. And why? Well, Jesus has told us, guys, despite how crazy our lives might get. I mean, this past year for me, you know, heading into 2020, I'm going to do more missions work. We're going to go more countries. We're going to do this. 
and the year starts, and I told my son, if you do this trick, you're probably going to fall on your arm, trying to kickflip into our ramp. He's a skater. I went away for a day. He tried the trick, broke his wrist. My wife got diagnosed with skin cancer a week later. COVID shows up. The house is flooded, but out of the house for three months. Her mom gets ALS. The whole year was crazy, but what I realized in that year is everything was falling apart. It says, so long as I trust Jesus, and you can say that's a lot of weight. Jesus has told me that my yoke is easier, my burden is light. Even as a Christian, the Apostle Paul, the apostles, the disciples, people being persecuted, even as crazy as it can get, guys, we're just called to walk and trust. But here's my point. As he tells us to lay aside the weight, this is how I want you to look at your life. Consider the Jesus, cheesy Jesus analogy of Jesus take the wheel, and there we are on the road. The Apostle Paul uses this same terminology. How? He tells us we are running a what? Race. Listen to what he says to us. 1 Corinthians 9.24 to Brian to the church. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one will receive the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. We're all in a race, but there's a way we can run. He even tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.5, if anyone competes in athletics, he won't be crowned unless he competes according to the rules. What are the rules? What are the rules for Christianity? Well, you don't gain heaven because you did something. That's all a work of faith. Amen? But now that a believer, I'm called to be filled with the Spirit. I'm called to go into all the world. I'm called to make disciples. And apparently, if I read Hebrews, I'm also called to what? Lay aside every weight. You say, Brian, what does this mean? What it means for me was in this season, I was really praying for my friends. Why are they struggling? I get a, call, a phone call from England. I get a phone call from England. I hadn't been back in a while. I was becoming a citizen. I would go in and out. But my two older sisters, one of them calls me and says, Hey, Brian... You know, things aren't going so good with mom. Maybe you want to come home. Didn't really unpack too much of what's going on. I've been a Christian a couple of years. I wasn't really familiar with this verse yet. God had restored my marriage. God is good. I would have been in the front row, you know, the baptism aisle, worshiping with you guys. Okay, what's going on here? Well, they say she could have cancer. There's Brian the Christian. I've read James 5. We're going to pray. They're all going to get healed and they're all going to come to faith. This is how God works. Revival in the Sumner household. Amen? England needs a revival. Charlie Darwin's on the money. I didn't meet one Christian growing up. I had a couple Muslim friends. I met a Mormon Jehovah Witness. Never met a Christian. I'm thinking, Lord, if my mom really has cancer, we're going to go back there. We're going to pray. She's going to get healed. It's all going to be good. So as I get over there, they've called me and said she might have cancer. But when I get there, her face has totally changed. The cancer has taken hold. She'd been smoking her whole life. She'd gone to Billy Graham events when she was a kid, but she didn't really know the Lord. And as I get there, you open the door and you see your mom sick. How many guys would say this is some weight? I'd planned to fly out there for five days. I was going to go in. I was about to come back and speak at a church. I'd been saying to the Lord, what's going on with all my friends? And God is saying, lay aside the... I come in the room, bed... My mom, who talks more than I talk, if you can believe that, amen, is laying in the bed. Her hair's gone. They're feeding her porridge. I mean, still smoking. And what really broke my heart was seeing the photos of my kids at the bottom of the bed and realizing she might not see my kids again. That was crazy. 
And at the same time, my wife was pregnant and she was a couple months in and we hadn't told my mom yet because I didn't want to say this if she was really getting this bad and it would just shake her in such a way. So as we're there for five days, I realize how bad it is she can barely speak. I sit with her on the last night and I say, Mom, I love you. You've been the best mom ever. I'm thankful. All those nights I wanted to go skate, you took me in the rain, you supported me. My friends treated you like you were their mom. But Mom, I can't heal you. I can't deliver you. Only God can do this. God can raise this body. And we went through the verses and we sat and we talked and I witnessed and I shared. And you know what? She confessed Jesus. She confessed Jesus on the fourth day. I was flying home the next night. Amen? But all she wanted was her son home, my two sisters, and my dad to be together. I woke up the next day and her grandkids came in, kissed her on the cheek. They went off to school. I went in the other room. I came back. My dad comes out and says, I think she's gone. I wasn't planning on this. I didn't know cancer had taken her. I knew it could move this fast. I was praying, God, that right at the last minute, just like Lazarus on the fourth day, she's going to get up and England's going to see revival. That's a wait. What do you do with that? Do I get the car and take it from Pastor Chris and swerve it all over the road and say, I want to flip the car? Do I throw the bag in his face so Jesus can't even lead me? Get back to California, I'm on the flight, and I'm like, what is going on? My wife's in shock, like, wait a minute, this happened this quick? What verse do you think comes to mind? Lay aside the what? Is God just saying this woman's just some weight? No. But he's the author and finisher of her faith. He knew that she would come to faith in the last hour. Amen? It gets crazier. I get home, my wife's pregnant. What is she by now? She's three or four months along, and we've named the baby. Piper Love. And everything's good. Okay, good thing we didn't really unpack it too much of my mom. I shared the last few days. I get a call one day at the office. I'm helping this shoe company out. And she says, babe. And she just breaks. I'm at the doctor. I was meant to go. And that was the only day I just got back. Had to run somewhere. I was going to meet her. Babe, they think the baby's not breathing. Babe, they think this. They think that. We were already feeling the baby begin to move. We were already speaking. This was going to be our last child. Why? Because we had three. They're all crazy. This is going to be the last one. We'll enjoy it one more time. Then we are good to go. Amen? She calls back. As I'm on my way, babe, they think the child is dead. Do you think that's some weight or not? No. That is some weight. That is your life. These are some things. I'm talking to some people that we face this stuff. You want to swipe that car all over the road with me? You want to flip that thing? Some of you might want to even drive that car into a couple of other people. Don't go there. Amen? But I'm saying this because that was some crazy weight. And my wife, being Mrs. Natural, she won't touch this. She won't do that. won't take this kind of pill. She won't do anything. She said, I'm just going to ride this out, hope God does something. And she literally, for two weeks, with our child who was not breathing inside of her, it's crazy. I'd be driving, put my hand on her stomach, and she'd start crying. I, I, didn't, I just couldn't even handle the situation. And I was praying one night, you know what the Lord said? Lay aside the what? My child isn't just the weight. And I said, Lord, how do I deal this? You know what the Lord said to me? Laid on my heart. He said, your mother will get to meet your child before you will. You know that before my mom was born, God knew the day she would graduate. That before my child was ever born into the earth, the Lord knew my child would graduate. Amen? I can take God at His word and believe those children go to be with the Lord. And as my mother believed in Christ, she goes to be where she belongs, more alive than ever. Amen? But if that would have sidetracked me and I didn't lay aside the weight, I wouldn't probably be here today. I had every reason to start drinking, getting mad, saying, you know what, yeah, you saved me, but you said you'd heal my mother. You didn't. 
What about my child and what I want? My own selfish desires in church. We've got to ask ourselves this. Are we here to seek our kingdom? Am I trying to build my kingdom up here, still building my Tower of Babel to get to me being God? Or am I really seeking first His kingdom? Am I really being filled with the Spirit, going into all the world, living out for Him as I said? What are the rules? And laying aside the weight. And you know this. Hearing stories like this, but can we just give it up for Jesus that He saved my mom and that I know today where our children get to go be? Amen? Because now I have something to look forward to. It is a crazy and twisted world. I mean, I get it. We have worship and there's a beautiful big clock and we're hanging out and some of you are saying, boy, this guy has a crazy accent, but we're having a good time today. Amen? Amen. But behind it all, the world's crazy. The world's falling apart. Those two kingdoms. And I say this and sometimes I like to put things in sermons because God will use them to play on your thoughts down the road. Like everyone's favorite Christmas movie. What is it? Scrooge. Remember that one? Albert Finney. The Albert Finney. That was my mum's favorite, so that's all your favorites now. Amen? The Albert Finney version. What's the story of Scrooge? Pastor, why are you saying this in church? Because we meet Albert Finney as Ebenezer Scrooge, and he's an old man. And he's angry, and he's bitter, and he's wound up. And some of you are nodding, and you're looking forward to Christmas already. And as we watch this film, suddenly in the start, his friend shows up. Jacob who? Marley. And he's this spirit. Some of the kids are listening now. What's this story? And he's this spirit who shows up and he says, Scrooge. Remember that? That's my acting for you. Scrooge. And Jacob Marley shows up and Scrooge looks over eating his porridge and he says, you're just a figment of my imagination. You're just an old potato. Doesn't care. But Jacob Marley begins to rattle his what? Chains. Why is this spirit coming into our room and rattling his chains? And Scrooge says, what are these chains? And Jacob says, these are the chains I forged in life. It's already bad enough, but he says, wait till you see your chains. And then the movie takes a direction that goes to where Scrooge is a child. And he's happy and smiling and skipping and he's embracing life. And then something happens to one of his sisters. Then he gets into a relationship and he's engaged and life's going to be good and he feels love and then it all falls apart for his love of money. Then later on, someone passes away and we go from this child experiencing life and thriving to anger, bitterness, resentment, and the way it's caused him to live out. We then see him set in a setting like hell and he's carrying the biggest chains in the whole movie. Amen? Crazy story. But it's got a Christian theme. But should Brian, who once lived in the world carrying those chains, now I was a believer, if the oldest passed away and else become new, should I in any way resemble Scrooge carrying out a life with chains and bitterness, not laying aside the weight? That shouldn't be who I am. I shouldn't be driving around or living this way or thinking this way as I live as Ebenezer Scrooge. It's a great story. Also, there's other films though. Remember the other film? Life is like a box of what? We all know Forrest Gump. But you remember Forrest's friend, Jenny? What's the story here? Forrest is living this life, but Jenny, as they're walking through the woods one day, they're having a perfect day, just like today. This week, as Pastor Chris said, spring and summer, clapping hands, it's beautiful out here. And as they're running, here comes Jenny, and she stops in the middle of a field. And she picks up some rocks, and what is she doing? Is she working on a fastball? Is she working on her knuckleball? No. 
She's throwing rocks at a tin house where she used to live that everyone's forgotten about, but it was in that house where she had experiences with her dad and a family that are still traumatizing her to this day. The movie is going on and that story is in there to tell you guys life can be crazy. She's throwing rocks and no one is in there. Her dad has gone on, but the things that were said, the things that happened, the things that took place are still represented in Jenny. And while um, Forrest is just living his life, she's caught up. She's carrying weight. She's carrying a burden. And you see her release these rocks throughout the movie. She's in everyone's face. She's in bed with everyone. She's living a certain way. And Forrest says something amazing for the Christian. He says, you know what, Jenny? Sometimes, meaning in life, or Brian, once your mother has passed, or you, whatever's happened to you, sometimes there just aren't enough what? Rocks. You can never throw enough rocks. And that's true for the unbeliever. But for the Christian, I only need one rock. What's his name? Jesus. I don't want to carry the weight of Scrooge. I purposely said this, so Christmas Day, you're going to say, what was that funny sounding English guy saying as you're watching Scrooge? And God's going to be like, lay aside the weight. Amen? When you see Forrest Gump, you're going to see Jenny and say, that is not me. That is not who Christ came to live, die, and resurrect for. Amen? Amen. The book of Proverbs says, keep your heart. Keep your heart, Proverbs 4.23, with all diligence, for out of its spring issues a life. Am I mad about my mother's passing or do I accept life? Am I mad about my child? I accept life. Did Scrooge accept it? Yes, and things changed. For Jenny, we don't really see the story. And I say all of this. And you say, well, Brian, how does this apply to me? Well, think about that. I'm glad I made you think you asked me that. Amen? Here's a couple of thoughts. As a Christian church, can I trust someone? Can I really trust someone? 1 Corinthians 13.7, you know it. Love always trusts. I don't trust you're never going to let me down. I don't trust someone isn't going to frustrate me. I'm not going to frustrate you. But I trust every person with the work that God is doing on this earth. That God is the only one who can sustain me. So I trust whatever is in motion, no matter how good or bad it may be. Can I really trust someone? Or is there a weight that I carry? Can I submit Can I submit, Ephesians 5.21, submit yourselves to one another in the fear of God. Do you know how pastors found out what I was preaching today? They don't know yet. I'm still preaching it. Amen. Why? Because they're submitted to God. I'm submitted to the team here. We're all submitted to Him. They say, Brian, are you going to come out here? Pray what and believe and preach what's on your heart. Yes, sir, I'll do this. We'll lay all aside all the way. Here I am. This is all functioning because we're submitted. Can we really submit? Third thing is, can we serve? This is hard. Amen? Help me preach. Amen? Serve? Can I really serve someone? But I'm favored by the Most High God. I better be the CEO. I better drive the fastest, have the fastest, preach the bestest, be all the this, this, this. Can I really serve someone? Is that what culture is selling us? Money never sleeps. You better get there first. It's a race, guys. And guess what? You've already got the prize. It's Christ. The rest is just Him taking you. Can I really serve? Galatians 5.13 Through love, serve one another. A guy came to church last night. I was sharing this with Pastor earlier. He's probably been a Christian not more than a few months. Radically on drugs, saved and teen challenged. And he just says something simple to him, but it just always speaks to me. I spent hours a day hanging out with a guy who was over 60, and I was telling my girlfriend, I've been driving around with this pastor who's almost 60 all week, and I'm like, yeah, 
That's totally normal Christianity. I've hung out with these guys once. And I come here today and it all feels like family. Amen? Amen. I showed up to the church last night. I've been around them four or four t- five times. It all feels like family. Why? Because we're serving unto the Lord. We're in the same stream of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Fourth thing here, the F word, if I can say this in church, kids. Can you forgive? What were you guys thinking? My gosh. Can you forgive? That's why we have an altar. Can you forgive? This is the real F word, church. This is why Christ went to the cross, because He chose. Colossians 3.13 Bear with one another. Meaning there's the struggle. And forgive one another. Listen to this. Forgive as Christ forgave you. Guys, I can't even grow a beard. And they pulled out His beard. And He forgave them. I've never even seen a cross in the way he was hung like that. Sure, we see it around and about as some object or jewelry, but it's a torture device. Could I really forgive people for doing that to me? Forgive like Christ forgave? We're still being sanctified to look like that. Amen? Can you love? John 13, 35, By this all will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I'm just picking random things here, but think about that if we say, what do you mean wait? What can hinder us? Final thought on that is, can we have godly relationships? Do we carry away? Do we back away? Do we get hindered by the church, the next generation that's frustrated about their parents' church or their grandparents' church or all the things they didn't like? Well, guys, change the way it's presented, but get into the Word with the pastors and elders and live it out to the world out there. Amen? Can we really have godly relationships? Romans 12:18. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all. How many times do we see these well-intended Christian speakers who were like, just cut everyone that's toxic out of your life? I get it. Don't be around everyone that's opposed to everything and hindering you. But if you get rid of all the people in your life that aren't for you, have a problem with you, or frustrate you, if Jesus was like that, none of us would be going to heaven. Amen? Think about that. I want to grow in faith and say, man, I'm going out with this brother today or this sister today and things might be crazy, but I want to learn to be more loving. My jiu-jitsu professor who teaches all the students, the craziest kids come in and he goes, I love that kid. You know why? It makes me be a better professor. It makes me have to listen and not get mad. He's running around grabbing kids and spilling his stuff all over the mat and it's all over the place and it teaches me. But think about it. All I talked about was can we trust, submit, serve, forgive? Can I love? Can I have godly relationships? Because if the answer to these, any of them at all, is no, we can't, then with Christ for me... All things are impossible. If I'm not really living intentionally, Jenny, the only way you can stop throwing rocks is through the rock of salvation. Scrooge, the only way you get rid of the weight, these chains, is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, even in the church, and I'll say this not because I know what's going on in your church, but I just know Christianity. People will even come to a church, offended at other churches, and they'll make sure today that the way I'm speaking or what pastor so-and-so says or worship leader this or greet at the door, they do everything exactly the way they want or if not, they're out of there. The problem isn't with the pastor or the greeter or the way the car park or the songs they sing or whatever. The pastor is the weight or the baggage that those people are carrying. Amen? It's not a bad thing, but we've got to get rid of it. And you may be hearing this and saying, man, a bunch of you Christians, if it's your first time in church, welcome, amen, we're being honest. These guys all sound like psychos. I'm not like any of this stuff pastor just preached. Well, maybe you're like me today. And maybe because you're the guy preaching or lady preaching, we're holier than now. And maybe our baggage is Matthew 7, 5, where Christ says to me, hypocrite, remove the plank from your own eye and then you will be able to remove the speck. Why am I saying this? 
Because regardless of who we are, I want all the baggage gone as it keeps showing up. When people pass, it is going to hurt. When things like COVID happen, it is painful. When someone loses their job or the boss treats you like crap, it's going to be crazy. You know what? I need to lay aside the weight. I say this because if we don't deal with the baggage, it will build up. And it will only affect me, but it will end up affecting who? The next generation. There's a story I heard years ago about a tribe out in one of those nations where there's a load of monkeys. And a guy was talking on TV and all he said was, you know, it's a funny thing the locals do to catch monkeys in this region. Like, why you'd want to catch a monkey? I don't know. Those things are crazy anyway. But what they do is they take this vase-looking thing with a long neck and they put this fruit in it that you've never heard of called a banana. You ever heard of one of them? A banana? And they put the bananas, there you go, some tongues for you, down the, 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 the thing that's there. And they just wait. And who comes out of the bushes? A monkey. And the monkey runs over and reaches in and he grabs. And the guy or the woman comes out of the bushes and they go right up to the monkey. And he's so stubborn holding onto that banana. You know what he doesn't do? He won't let go of it. And the guy can just bash him on the head and whatever they do with that monkey, it's crazy. But I remember seeing that and saying, wow, is that not what I do with my weight? Is that not what I do with my baggage? Do you know what happened to me? Do you know what they said to me? you know what the team said? Do you know what happened this? Guys, my backpack's in the car. How many of you guys know what's in it? No one. Because I'm the one who packed it. I'm the one who knows what's inside it. I'm the one whose name is on it. I'm the one who's carrying it. I'm like that monkey holding the banana and I'm saying, I'm not letting go. And what God is saying is, lay aside the weight. What someone said to you or did to you, it wasn't right. But forgiveness is never even about them. It's about you. Amen? I could be up here preaching and I'm carrying it. And guys, we hear it. Think about when you were 15, 13, through to what, what? 18, 19, 20. All the stuff in school that you thought mattered. Then you get out of school and you get married, you have kids, you go, what was I thinking about? Think about how the enemy attacks that generation of teenagers who goes through so much junk that just doesn't even matter by the time you're 20. I don't care when I have buck teeth and eat a braces. Who cares what that guy said? You know what I mean? Who cares when they said this about you or you had a bad hair day? Who cares? But we have to take captive every thought. Why? Because if we don't, this will play out. And you may say, Brian, what do you mean? Well, why did Cain kill Abel? Sure, it was over a sacrifice, but he had some baggage. That was a weight. Why did King Saul attack David? Because King Saul came into the town. They said, here's King Saul. He's killed his thousands. That sounded good to him. But guess who's behind him? David isn't a king yet who's killed his tens of thousands. And the Bible says Saul had a jealous eye. That's some weight. You can go back to way back in the day with Muslims and Jews. You can go back to even Hitler and the Jews. You see these stories carrying weight. It can get that crazy. Why? Because if I don't deal with my baggage, yet I speak about it and live it, my kids are going to catch it. They're going to be opinionated like me. And you might be saying, Brian, you made a lot of points. Well, you're right, but I want to summarize this with the Word of God. We jumped into Hebrews, but if you have your Bibles, go over to Luke 10, and I want to unpack how you can see this firsthand. What happens in Luke 10 is we're done with church. We're finished today. And the Savior of the world is about to show up to your house tonight for an afternoon Bible study or to break bread or maybe perform a bunch of miracles. Amen? Yeah. 
In Luke 10, Jesus, the Savior of the world, they're going to see His face. They can hear His accent. They can look at Him. They know who this is. And Jesus is about to show up to their house, your house today. And watch how these two people interact with Jesus. We need to get this. It says in Luke 10.39 of Mary and Martha. Martha had a sister called Mary. And we find out right away. She sat at Jesus' feet and heard His Word. But Martha, it's kind of interesting when the Bible says that, but she'll be paying attention here. Mary just sat at his feet and heard his word, but Martha was distracted. She was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Did you guys get how crazy this is? The Savior of the world is in your house this afternoon. And your brother or your sister, your cousin, your crazy uncle, you fall at his feet and say, Lord, what are you going to say? And someone else shows up and says, Lord, you better tell them to get off their rear ends or help me tidy up the Bibles and move this and move that. you get this? Do you get how crazy the story is? Mary fell at his feet, but Martha was distracted. How many of you guys are distracted? How many of you guys are carrying the weight? This is a crazy, crazy story. I'm sure you've heard this, but you'll never see it the same. It says, but Martha was distracted. And what was she distracted with? Much serving. Not just serving. She was really serving. She knew who he was. She called him the Lord, the Curios. So was she tidying the Bibles? Was she putting all the books on display? Was she talking about his last sermon? She knew who he was. But she's saying something in the tone, Lord, do you not care? Tell her to get up and help me. Guys, you don't ever want to tell Jesus what to do. Amen? You don't need to start. You need to stop doing that. Lord, seek first your kingdom. But what's crazy is, as it says this, this word distracted, paraspao, you know what it means? It basically means the same as this word for weight in the Greek, or kos. It means that she was distracted, and here's the interpretation. She was drawn away. She was ever busy in her mind. She was driven about mentally. She was over-occupied or too busy with something. If Jesus showed up Right here, right now, which He's already here. Amen? What are you distracted by? What is going on with politics? What is going on with your family? What is going on with you? What is going on with... I know when we get in church and we zone in and out, you know, we have these thoughts. It's not what I'm saying. But what are you carrying like Scrooge or Jenny, things that you were holding on to that God says, that's not of me. She's right there with Jesus. You're one of two people. One is distracted, one is not. And look at what our loving Lord and Savior says. I love this, verse 41. Jesus answered and said to her, I'll tell you there's only three times in Scripture He ever repeats a person's name twice. And when He says it, He's basically pulling you out of the road. It's like a spiritual smack upside the head and saying, child, listen to me. You need to get this. I don't want to smack my kid, but if he tried to jump in front of your car, he would get dragged and smack his rear and say, don't ever do that. Why? Because I love him. Go ahead, play in the road. That's not love. He says, Martha, Martha. And listen, we all just know she's distracted, but here he is with a word of wisdom here, a word of knowledge actually. He knows what's going on. You are worried and troubled about what? That could be anything. What are you caught up in? What are you distracted by? And I love what he says in verse 42. One thing is needed. Some of us in our Christianity were seeking so many things and they can be good things. 
But he says you're distracted, you're caught up. But only one thing is needed, and I love what it says next. This is a crazy verse, amen? Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken from her. You're distracted by so many things, daughter, but Mary has chosen the good part. The Bible says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I can be chosen by the Lord, but still not be choosing to sit at His feet. I can have a relationship with Him from a distance because He's good, but I'm really not walking with Him. I can be walking in the peace with God, but not really living in the peace of God. He said, Mary has chosen this thing and this one thing is falling at His feet. What do you call that when you fall at His feet? We've been doing it all morning. Worship. Do you know that as an evangelist, once I get to heaven, I am out of a job. Amen? I won't be evangelizing anyone. I only get to evangelize now. But all these worship leaders with great voices, well done, give it up for the worship team. Amen? My voice, I believe, will sound as nice as theirs. Amen? There's a reason you haven't heard my voice. It's probably better that I wear a mask for some people. Amen? But my point is, this is what we do for eternity. All Mary did was worship Him. Whatever is going on in your life, worship Him. I love what John Piper said. He said, missions exist because worship doesn't. I don't know if you can come up with a better verse or thought for a Christian. The reason we go is because they don't know they're meant to be serving and worshiping God. And if all things are made by Him, for Him, when a sinner comes to faith, people responding yesterday, they're now worshiping God. That's why we go. The divine moments are now. I know I shared an evangelism last time, but I asked the church, how many of you guys are in full-time ministry? How many of you guys are Christians? There we go. You are all on mission. I'm not going where you're going tomorrow. Unless you're flying to California, amen? But where you're going, the Holy Spirit's going. I'm digressing to make a point that they're both there. It's you and me and Jesus. And you fall at His feet. But I'm caught up. Making sure this is right. The Bible's got my name on it. And you know, I was speaking out in Seekonk last week. You know, Jesus, Brian, Mary's chosen. All Mary did was fell at His feet. What do we call that? Worship. And I'll tell you, whenever you see Jesus giving reverence or honor to someone, it's because they are living in a way that is worshiping Him. You think about the woman with the issue of blood in Luke 8.47. There's a crowd of people, and this woman has been bleeding for 12 years. Pastor, she showed up again today. Hey, can someone clean up the blood when she gets... In fact, you know what? Let's put her in the back. In fact, she's here again, and we can't help her wound. She's gone to all the doctors. And what she does is she pushes through the crowd... And she reaches out and she touches just the what? The hem. Not even Jesus. just touches His garment, but her faith. And He says, power has gone out for me. And of course, the disciples put their foot in the mouth. No, Lord, everyone's touching you. He knew exactly who it was. But she didn't know He knew exactly who it was. And so when He says this, He calls her to Him. And what does He say to her? But What does He call her? Daughter. Daughter. Do you feel that? Jesus calls me a son. Who cares what's going on? Amen. Who cares? You've won the lottery. Who cares? I'm a son of God. Me, wretched me. Still self-righteous me. I want to make sure the sermon sounds right. Yeah, I want to honor God, but how much of that is me? Yeah. He said, daughter. And then he talked about what? Her faith. He talked about her faith. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Scrooge didn't have peace. Jenny didn't have peace. I didn't have peace in the world. 
getting into fights, getting into trouble. Our marriage is upside down. It's crazy, but Mary fell at His feet. She chose to. This woman with the issue of blood, she fell at His feet. What do you call that? Worship. Even the demonized guy in Mark 5 and 6 running around beating people up, trying to join the UFC. And the Bible simply says this, when He saw Jesus from afar, He ran and worshipped Him. All they did was worship Him. All that changed in my life was the cross was applied, the blood was applied, and we begin to live out and worship Him. Amen? Yeah. I'm saying this, that I ask the question, Lord, what is going on with so many friends? Lay aside the weight. My life was about to get crazy. Oh, I'm singing the Jesus songs, and I'm believing for this, and believing for that. And listen, I believe God heals. Amen? Amen. But Lazarus had to die again at some time. Couldn't keep raising him. He's like, dude, leave me alone. I want to go to heaven, okay? To point a man to die once and then judgment. Only two people that never died and they could be the end times witnesses. Enoch, who was a Gentile. Think about that. Gentiles go first. Then Elijah. Never die. They've got to die at some time. Just a bit of side theology for you. But they all fell at His feet in worship. That's what it is. And I want to ask us today, when did you sincerely bring your baggage, your ideas, even our opinions, which can be well-intended, When did we come and bring it all to God and lay aside the weight? When did I release that person that created this character in me doesn't represent Christ? When did I forgive someone this week? Or condemning someone to hell because we're mad at it? When did I release whatever I am carrying? Why? Because John 15 and 5, without me you can do nothing. If you're still trying to do it on yourself or you're holding that baggage, your knuckles are going to turn white. You're stuffing everything back in that bag. And I'll tell you this, Satan wants to unpack your baggage every day. He loves it. We'll help you medicate. We'll help you do this, help you do that on the side. You can do all these things because you're not going to feel the peace of God while you're walking in this. And you might say, Brian, you conjured all this up. Well, think about it. We're told in Hebrews to lay aside the weight. We're told that we're to run a race. And even the Apostle Paul, look at what he says in Philippians 3.13. He says, brethren, that's you church, it's me, Believers, I do not count myself to have yet apprehended. We're not there yet, guys. You haven't finished the race. But there's one thing I do. What does he do? I forget. I choose not to remember those things which are behind, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. Scrooge, just let it go and begin to look forward, and he did. Jenny, just put down the rocks and let's go into another field and worship God. And he says in verse 14, but I press. This is something you do intentionally. This is something you choose to do. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, Mary chose to do it. It's a choice. And laying aside the weight means you have to do it. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. We're saved. Sozo. We already have the victory. But I said, peace with God or peace on God. Laying aside the weight or not. He says this to us in 1 Peter 5.7, Cast all of your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Psalm 55.22, cast your burden on the Lord. Cast it. You know what casting implies? It literally is like a fishing rod. You don't just say, I'm a Christian. You take it, and you release it, and you let it go. Watch it go, and turn away. But see, He knows that when you cast it, you're going to feel something. It might feel a strain. You're going to bring some things to the surface. Which is why he says, cast your burden in doing that. He shall sustain you because you'll never permit the righteous to be moved. 
I started off with some kind of basic intro, went a couple places, but we looked at Hebrews 12. Think about that verse now in the context of what was just said. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And we're closing with this thought and we'll pray. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us roam with endurance the race that is set before us. There's our vehicle we're driving. What does he say in verse 2? Looking unto who? Either you're looking unto Jesus like Mary was, like the one with the issue of blood, like the demonized guy, or you're looking at your baggage, your luggage, or whatever's taking place. Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross and despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me ask us today, as pastor has preached on the possible reality of Christianity, living this life where people are persecuted, you might be persecuted in the flesh. You might be spiritual. Where do you look? Acts 1 and 8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be what? My witnesses. Whatever's going on in your life, just pursue the Lord. Use that dynamite Holy Spirit of power to pursue Him. But what is the message for today? Lay aside the weight. Are you in here and you're holding on to some things and you say, Today's the day, Lord. I'm letting it go. Are you in here and you said, man, I wasn't planning to go to church today. Maybe you're even a skater. Or someone said, go check out this guy. And you've heard today all about even sin. Hebrews says, lay aside the weight and the what? Why is sin relevant? Because sin separates us all from God. I lived for 24 years not knowing God. And if I would have died, I was a breath away from heaven or a breath away from hell. All the things I could have accomplished, gaining the whole world, but losing my soul, it was the blood of Christ applied at the cross to my sin, and I can be forgiven. Today people say, do all roads lead to God? They don't. Jesus says, I am the gate, I am the door. No one comes to the Father but through me. Without the shedding of blood is no forgiveness of sins. You could have been going to church for years, your grandparents' church, your parents' church, you're in here today, and God is stopping the press and saying to you, do you know me? There's no such thing as chance or luck. God is sovereign. And He placed you here today to hear this. And before you is that opportunity to make a decision. Am I going to trust in the Lord? Am I going to lay aside the weight of sin? Any other faith, I talked about this last night. It's chanting mantras. It's speaking to the universe. Just think about that. We speak to the universe. You know what the word universe means? Uni means single. And verse means sentence. So the world right now is being deceived with this new age mysticism and all this Reiki master spiritual crystal stuff. And we're speaking to the single sentence. This is called the universe. Guys, where did the universe come from? In one sentence, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created. So we are worshipping the created rather than who? Creator. Let's cut right to the source. Where are you today? Guys, let's bow our heads for a moment. I was dead in sin, hated my life, have marks on my body to show it. I wanted to die. And I wanted to prove there was no God. And I believe if I just evolved and I'm roadkill, nothing matters. Who's president, who's sick or not, who's whatever, but that isn't what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, we are a mago day, we are made in God's image. You're not the same as a dog or a cat or some animal. You are made in His image. And maybe you're here today and you say, I want to lay aside the weight but I want to lay aside the sin. Maybe you're saying today, I need to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior because if He is leading you to do that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't need me 
or a sermon or a pastor, but what you need is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. Do you hear Him today? Do you feel Him like the breeze saying, repent, come to faith, I'll take away your sins because God is a loving and kind Father, even as we sing. You might be in here today and you just said, Pastor, I have carried this enough. This is why we go to church, to be encouraged. We don't forsake gathering together so we can be lifted up by God. He can say, child, I want you to carry this. I want to pray for two simple things today. I remember being in church and the Holy Spirit leading me to repentance. Maybe here and you say, God, I want to confess you as Lord. I want to take a stand today. Someone brought me and I've been here all along, but today's my day. Maybe you're here and you say, Lord, I want to let go of some weight. I want to release some things. In a time of response, yes, there's distancing because of masks, but God doesn't need a mask or distance. He can speak to you right in that seat. Amen? Amen. Be fear before others. If the Lord is speaking to you, if you say today, I want to get right with God, I want to confess some things, I want to let it go right here in that seat, just to acknowledge Him before others. With every head bow, every eye closed. If you want to confess your sin and say, Lord, I trust in you today, would you just raise your hand on the count of three right where you are? One, two, three. Amen. Any people in here today who say, you know what, I'm carrying some weight and it's too heavy to bear. I want to cast this on Him. I want to lay it aside. That's you and the Lord wants to take that from you. We're going to let it go in this room. Would you just raise your hand so we can see that? Amen. Like I said, it's not that I'm up here. It's not even the music as much as we love it. It's you and the Lord. I want to pray for us. Let's just sit for a moment. Let's just confess Jesus as Lord, church. We're acknowledging God in heaven. We're acknowledging the work of Jesus on the cross, but the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's just repeat this prayer. Let's just say, Lord Jesus, we acknowledge You, Your life. You lived and You died. God, all of us have sinned. I've sinned. And I see that today. I acknowledge You. And I ask for forgiveness. God, would You save me? Restore me? Bring me into Your kingdom? In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're praying that prayer because the Lord is leading you, open up His Word and speak to Him. Hear what He says like you would a favorite magazine. Pray and reach out to Him the way you would talk to a loved one. And gather in the church the way you would go gather with some friends because God is good. But church, for those who want a prayer for weight, just extend your hands where you are. God, I pray right now by the power of Your Holy Spirit, Lord, You give us this Word interpreted and translated for our well-being. It is a light, God, along the path. We don't live by bread alone, but the Word of God. And Lord, I just release today, by faith, the name of this church. Whatever was spoken, whatever believed, whatever assignments, be it of the enemy or a man, we know that Satan uses the words of man and women. And I release Your people by the power of the cross. God, we are set free And God, Your people are beautiful. They are princes and princesses in Your kingdom. And God, I speak life and victory. I ask that their gifts would come forth. I ask, Holy Spirit, You begin to minister. We are Ephesians 2.10, Your workmanship. And we're called to follow after You. And You have amazing things for us to do on this earth. If there is a virus, if there is chaos, if the world is divided, Your kingdom is not. And we stand on it today. And God, I release the names of those people. Church, just even say, I release this person. I let go of this situation. All the lies and deceptions of tell me who I'm meant to be. No, God. I'm meant to be yours. 
I'm meant to walk with you. I'm meant to be Romans 8.14, led by the Spirit of God. And I speak that over this community, God. Oh, we release the people who, whether intentional or not, said what they said. Who hurt them? Who shook them? How far do these lines go back? What kind of curses have been spoken? We stand in faith, God, and we release and we let go and we trust in Jesus. God, we pray there were souls here today that you began that work and that they would finish good. You are the author and finisher, God. And this is all set up, yes, to bring you glory. But you're still at work, God. Lord, we thank you for this church and community that even amidst the year, the challenged pastors, the challenged leadership, the challenged teams, we're able to gather. We're able to speak. We're able to do what is so often taken for granted where in other nations this is outlawed and people are in prison for decades. God, we thank you that you are at work. We thank you for the supernatural. And church, don't just be a bystander today. Just continue releasing Lord, I release the weight of this, the weight of performance, the weight of expectation, the weight of ideas based around my marriage that I believe are what I think we need. God, I thank you, God, we can come to you today. The weight of not having to work our way to you, but it's a free gift, God. You've done it all. And Jesus, that one day when we look at your face, we'll do exactly what Mary did. We will fall at your feet and worship. We'll see God and we'll understand. That guy who was tormented by the things of the world, the chains, he fell and worshipped and that broke every chain of bondage. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. We praise your name, God. And I just feel, and I'm going to just say this, I just feel a heavy weight of depression for certain people. Even this idea of even suicidal thoughts, I don't normally unpack that, but I just feel that there's just a lot to handle and you've never felt this way before and it's hitting you. I don't need to expose you or draw attention to you, but I feel like the Lord was laying that on my heart at the start of service. Bible says pursue spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. So I believe if that's you, you need to hear today. It's not a thing of God to walk through depression. It's not a thing of God to take our lives. You'll never find a Jewish suicide bomber. Why? Because they would never cause such an affront to God because He has a plan and a will for your life. And I just pray, God, over the lies, the deception, the chemicals that are off balanced. You would say you were perfectly and wonderfully made by the Lord God Almighty on purpose with a purpose. I just pray whoever that is, you would let someone know today. You would specifically come and speak with a pastor or member of the team and say, that is me that is carrying this weight, that is carrying this burden. I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I line up. Well, you don't, but God does. You're set free today. Thank you, Jesus. Church, we begin to praise Him. We even lift Him up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. We praise Your name. We glorify You. We magnify You. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Holy Spirit.